we'd like to welcome you to the virtual kitchen table. We are Haley from Taking a Kinder Path, Ashley from Ashley as Mama and Storytime Shelves, and myself, Erin, from Everlearning. We're gathering to have conversations about family life and home education, most specifically unschooling, which is sometimes known as self-directed education, or as I often refer to it, whole life learning. We'll be sharing experiences and ideas, learning as we go. We hope you'll pull a chair up to the table and join us. Hi, Haley. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Erin. It's nice to see you both again so soon because usually, I, I feel like usually it's longer periods of time and it seems like, it just seems like we just got a chance to talk and then even before that, it hadn't been that long. So it's Yeah, it's nice. lovely. Lovely to be back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we have Kendall today. Kendall, so nice to have you join us. Um, Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really, I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with you and having you be part of the conversation today. Um, so Kendall has an Instagram account, uh, Spark to Flame Home Learning, and um, which I think, you know, there's so many beautiful pieces on your Instagram account, Kendall. But then even apart from that, you and I started having some conversation about, I guess, community, like homeschool community. Um, and... So that's kind of our topic today, really, is homeschool community um, for families. And so I think it's about finding it. It's about maintaining it, um, making changes as necessary. So just kind of that whole piece about finding our people, or maybe not, <laughs> and how that kind of flows and changes over the years. For me, I kind of, I, when I think of this topic, I guess I think, I mean, we always think of our own experience probably first. And so for me, we were part of a pretty large um, homeschool group or homeschool community. When I first joined it, it was very large. And then it became smaller because it subdivided a little bit. Um, and then by the end, it had grown very large again. And at some point, uh, myself and my co-facilitator kind of edged out of it because really my kids were kind of aging out. Um, and I was having to make some decisions just around what was a fit for them. And that's something I would like to talk about today too. And I think Kendall, we talked about that at some point, that kind of balance between wanting to be part of something positive for the homeschool community, and then also wanting it to meet your children's needs. And then further, the further complexity is sometimes it might meet one child's need and not another. So I think there's all kinds of pieces that we can, um, that we can talk about today. So, you know, Kendall, I'll pass it to you if you want to introduce yourself a little bit and just whatever you'd like to share. All right. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm one of those longtime listener, first time joiner. So uh, I really value this podcast and how it's such a casual conversation um, and just learning from actual experiences that we have. So hopefully I can be part of that today and add my, my experience into the mix. But yeah, I have two children. I like to refer the, to them as my little critters. Um, I have a 10-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old son, and I live in Ontario, Canada. And um, I've homeschooled, home-educated right from the beginning um, with my two. They never went to public school. 
Uh, so yeah, we just continued right on living and learning together right from the beginning. And I have an interesting kind of background too, um, in terms of I have, I was at homeschooled myself, um, from kindergarten to grade two. And then I went to a private school for three through six, then homeschooled again, seven and eight, then public high school, university, and eventually teacher's college. So a lot of the whole gambit of educational experiences um, I grew up with. So that's what kind of um, made me intrigued about home educating right from the beginning with my kids because I had that personal experience growing up. Um, but a big factor in deciding whether to homeschool or not was wanting to like make sure we had a community um, that was nearby enough that every activity we did wasn't going to be you know, an hour's drive to be part of the next home educating group. So um, when my daughter was, I think, only three, I made a Facebook group and uh, put it on the Ontario Federation of Teaching Parents, like a link to it, and just had all the information and stuff. And it's been slowly growing over the years. And uh, it's been a real key factor into our journey is deciding to home educate and then sticking with it and enjoying it. So, yeah. Okay. Oh, thank you. And that sounds similar. I, I didn't start the group we were part of. I kind of joined and it was established, but I do think having a group was a key part of, for us being able to, um, I guess maybe f for me to be able to dive in a little bit more confidently. And I think over time I started to meet families who were doing it differently and they might just, maybe they had a couple of, uh, families that they knew, or maybe they were going to, uh, different programs or maybe just very much doing their own thing. And I was always um, just sort of in awe of that because I don't know that I would have had the confidence to begin without, I don't know, with, without a bit more of a, of a group, but I, yeah, I've met many people now who, who are very much doing their own thing and it works really well for them. And when we, when I kind of stopped facilitating that group and we started doing our own thing more, I kind of had a few regrets that we hadn't done more of that. Um, and yet I also really like, I, I mean, I also really value what we got from our homeschool community, but I think it just goes to show you there's not one way to, to do it. Right. And I think, um, well, Ashley and Haley, we've talked in the past just about, I can't remember what that episode was called, living and learning in community, maybe. The idea of just having more choice that people, that there's just more, there are more options for people. So yeah, I can definitely relate to some of that, um, Kendall. Yeah, I can just say that's episode three, because I did get to go back and listen to at least the first half of it earlier. I'm very surprised. It's episode three. I think it's choice in education, living, living and learning in community, I think, where we get into some of it. Yeah, you're right. That's what it is, Ashley. <laughs> it's just, I just found it now. Um, yeah, and then, Kendall, if I can just, I guess, just kind of ask you, how large like, did your group start small and grow incrementally or did it kind of explode at the time of the pandemic or were there, um, was there any real pattern to that? Yeah, it did start small. Um, and so, of course, there was pre-existing home educators all around. And so they were meeting more informally or finding each other almost accidentally. I'm sure you're all 
uh, you've all had moments where you spot people at the library during school hours and you're like, hey, are you, are you, are you in my world? Um, so there was, there was definitely a pre-existing community um, and they would, they would, you know, they would be traveling if they wanted the more, you know, formal meetups or regular things, right? Because we're a small rural county made up of a handful of small towns. So we were kind of, people were traveling to other groups. So they were kind of quite excited that we were going to try and, you know, get a little hub in our area going. Um, And then those first few years would be me personally contacting our core members, right? Like maybe 12 core families to do things together. And maybe we'd, yay, we made minimum numbers to go to the Butterfly Conservatory or things like that. Um, And so it definitely changed over the years and grown to where now sometimes we're opening up two or three um, things if they have maximum numbers, or we're just doing more outdoor meetups where anybody can come and join and there's no cap. Um, And then, yeah, definitely changes over the pandemic where we had a huge influx of people joining the Facebook group um, who were either doing online schooling or, or, um, you know, emergency schooling type things and feeling like they needed that immediate social opportunity for their kids to be part of when, in a, when any of the, uh, you know, pockets of time where, where restrictions were more lifted. Um, and so a lot of groups I did know and hear of, they shut down their membership during that time Um, and I'm really glad in the end that I didn't, even though it was a little overwhelming and, uh, I was messaging with a lot of parents and sending a lot of parents, um, to the FAQ page of Ontario Federation of Teaching Parents, like for all those immediate questions they had, but I'm glad I didn't because there are a handful of families that either, either it was the push they needed to start home educating long-term with their family or from having their kids at home or doing the online schooling, they saw a huge change in their children and wanted to continue with it. And had they not, had they been kind of shut out from the only homeschooling group that's in our area right from the gate, like they might not have, you know, felt like you were saying, Erin, it was so pivotal for you to, to continue with it, to feel that sense of community. So in the end, we've had quite a few families that have stuck with it and are still home educating now um, from those times, but it definitely, I feel like our group's number is inflated um, in terms of they're not all active members, but I would say currently maybe there's 40 families that are consistently active in wanting to participate in events. And then there's, you know, maybe a hundred more families that like to see what's going on and, and engage with our group in a different way, maybe more only online. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can really, okay, so Kendall, the, the pandemic thing is interesting because by that time I had moved out of facilitating um, the homeschool group. But I think I, like you and I had a conversation individually about this. And I think I shared with you that um, people were, you know, people who hadn't been homeschooling would be contacting me saying, where, like, is there a group that we can belong to? Is there a group we can join? And when I sent them the contact number, um, they were getting turned down. And initially I felt awful because I was like, oh, this is such an opportunity kind of, I guess, like what you're saying is such an opportunity to open that up for people. Um, and people were very much like in good faith, just asking, like, we're in this situation. We would like to see what options there are. And then I spoke to a couple of the people who were kind of fielding those 
phone calls and those Facebook messages. Um, and they were like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, this is so overwhelming. And I think partly because even existing homeschoolers were upended as well. So even existing people were trying to figure out how do we continue meeting or what do we want to do for next year? And then you had an even larger kind of layer of other people. So when they explained that to me, I could, I could understand, but initially it was just, I felt really disappointed that people were being um, turned down. And, and I mean, there was sort of a, there was a bit of a questionnaire, I think, to, to vet people, which just doesn't feel good. Um, but at the same time, you can understand it, right? Like people are parents themselves and they're navigating the pandemic and they're already organizing groups for free. <laughs> and so you can kind of see it in both directions, but I like hearing how kind of moving in the direction you did, it allowed that opportunity to be more accessible to people. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talked about was just as much as we love the idea of choice, the difficulty of navigating choice too, because there are a lot more choices than there used to be. Um, and, you know, whether it's homeschool groups, whether it's online groups, whether it's, um, for schools or, you know, those kinds of things. And I just wondered what, you know, kind of what people's experiences were for making those decisions for themselves. I mean, we, again, we talked, we touched a little bit on this when we talked about novelty and trying to decide like how much out time makes sense for our family versus how much inside time. And then kind of all the dynamics between family members, money. I mean, some of these things cost money or travel, um, so yeah, just looking at the big framework and figuring out like what, what do we choose? Um, even within a homeschool group, how many things do you do or how many things do you, do you plan? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's an, it's an ongoing challenge, isn't it? To balance that need, especially if you've got more than one child, we've got, um, four children and it's interesting I mean, when you were talking, Kendall, I was thinking about when we, my three eldest all started school, went to school. Um, my, the youngest of those three only did a year, um, but my girls did longer. And um, in fact, when we first started home edding, it was my my eldest daughter um, heard something about home education on a podcast that I was listening to. Um, and she went off and explored and did some research. I went off and did some research. She was um 11 at the time um, and we actually we, we came to this um, decision at the time that my eldest was going to start home education and the other two were going to stay at school and we were rocking along all right with this idea and also this was um, during the summer term so my daughter also carried on at school until the summer holidays quite happily because she knew that she was going to finish at the end of the summer holidays and that would be cool um, but it was actually during the summer holidays we went to some home ed groups around us locally and and it was when we went to these groups and my other two children discovered that there were really nice people at these group events <laughs> and in fact my my um, second daughter said oh they're they're really nice and they, they're actually normal and I, I'm not sure exactly what she was expecting she was nine at the time and um but it was yeah the fact that we were welcomed by the local home ed community was so pivotal then to the fact that um Obviously, it made it much easier for my elder daughter. But then the decision was made that the other two were going to come out of school as well, which obviously wouldn't have happened if we hadn't had that 
glorious welcome that we had from the, the home ed community. But in those early days, having the, the three of them with quite different interests, I remember it being a very much ongoing basis of, of um, yeah, are we going to go to this particular meet this week? And how are we going to coordinate the fact that somebody really doesn't enjoy that meet and somebody else really wants to go? And that, yeah, there were lots of things that we had to navigate. We have a fourth child now who's never been to school. Um, but because her siblings are that much older, um, it's not been such an issue as it was in our early days, for sure. Um, but I know for us, yeah, an ongoing conversation. Um, in our early days, we had lots of family meetings. <laughs> that was a big one for us, at trying to, yeah, trying to plan what we were going to do in the in the days ahead. I love hearing about that because I often joke that some of those families that came or, or their first time coming, if I can go, if I can scope them out, oh, I've never seen that family before. I, I joke that I say that I'm bringing them over to the dark side by just trying to casually just talk up how amazing life can be without school. Um, anyway, so because I find that so many of those people, especially if they have younger children haven't been to school yet but they just have this intuitive kind of I'm not ready next fall to send my kids to to kindergarten or whatever um I'm sure in their lives they have immediate family members and friends who are like I've never heard of home educating what is this and so coming out to a group is a big first step especially when they're not even with school-aged children yet so if I can get in there and just encourage them that like you had said hey they're not they're not a bunch of weirdos um, or maybe they are, and that's wonderful. Um, but you can just bring them slowly over into being like, yes, a lot of people will think you're quite countercultural for making this choice, but you know, let us answer any questions you might have and and just show you what life could be like if you choose this kind of path. So that's awesome that that was your experience too. Yeah, and I remember we've made this comment so many times. It was like a whole new world was opening up that we just did not know existed because we didn't know anything about home. I mean, this was like, um, 14 years ago we didn't know that home education existed at all until we heard this random podcast that we were like whoa is this something you can do so yeah that whole idea of there being this other world that you just don't know about was yeah felt so true mm, yeah and I can just sorry Erin I was just going to quickly add that um, and listening to this I'm thinking I'm being reminded that because um, I did as you guys know um, send my eldest to school for the first few years but could tell early on it wasn't the best fit and um, was interested in home education but knew not a single person no no so I knew that this other world must have existed but I didn't see any connections or any ways of I guess exploring it um, and then like as I shared in earlier episodes um, the pandemic allowed us to explore that but if I had have had that I really wonder if that maybe would have been enough because we were I was it was on my mind a lot at that time when my youngest started or sorry my eldest started and if I had had even just one other person really um, but to be able to go out and meet a group of people and, a, and see like a you know yeah a community and a gathering um, that might have been enough for us to avoid the, the few years that he was in school that, you know, weren't really the best. So yeah, I think it's great when um, families who are just considering it, exploring it, and I do see that now happening, which is, which is great, but those opportunities have to be there and they have to be visible. So 
Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting. I, I have been thinking too, that when we're at the beginning of our journey, we haven't done, uh, well, most people haven't done a lot of sort of de-schooling yet either around kind of this idea of there being a right or a wrong way to learn. And, and I think people are trying to get it right, right? They're trying to figure out what's like, what's the right decision for our family. And, and you see it with people, you know, what's the right curriculum or what's the right philosophy. Um, and I think that can be transferred over to, you know, what's the right homeschool group or alternative school or whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean, hindsight is everything, right? But to go back and realize that it really, you know, it's just, it's just different and everything's a learning experience. And, you know, we did connect with some smaller groups that didn't end up being a fit, although they were a fit for a little bit. So I think that's the other piece that something doesn't have to be um, the answer for forever. You know, there's lots of different ways to, to look at it. But it's interesting just thinking back, the person that I first heard about homeschooling from um, was another mom. My my, my uh, oldest guy was just a baby and we were kind of out walking. And so I heard about it from her. And then it's like so many things in life. All of a sudden, like I, it, it kept happening, right? So we were at a, uh, like a play group or a family resource center. And there was a person there who was unschooling. And then I can't remember, I was at something else and there was a mom who was homeschooling. And then I found out that um, like a coordinator from my work was unschooling. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, where did these people come from? And I think it's just once you, you know, you're kind of open and mention the word, all of a sudden you realize that there are many more people than you, than you might've originally thought when you first heard that podcast, Haley, or whatever. Um, but, but then it also makes it a bit difficult because you are hearing about all these different ways of, of doing things. And so two of those moms were like, hey, you've got to join our group. Um, and the other two were like, eh, groups can be kind of stressful. <laughs> There's a lot to think about. And so again, I think as a new homeschooling parent, you're, you're, for me anyway, I was still looking for the right answer a bit around hmm, which of these two things is true or which could be true for our family or whatever. But yeah. Um, that brought up for me, like it, it, I, I kind of agree with like, you're talking about finding the right mix. And I think one of the hugest perks of home educating is that we can uh, curtail what we do in our lives to our children. And it could be different for if we have multiple children and so when I made a group, I wasn't looking to do like, we meet every Thursday at this time for this type of thing. How ours is quite vague. It's not even like, I think in our welcome message, it's like um, talking about how we, our commonality is that we have our children's happiness and well-being at the center of what we do. Like we kept it super vague. And then it's very just, here's a group where we can all contribute suggestions and ideas and sh share what's going on in the community. Um, uh, I tend to enjoy taking more of a leadership role and creating some events like from scratch kind of, and then a lot of other parents like to find things that are happening and say, who's interested in coming along to this, you know? So like, it's always a variety pack and, and that's good for myself too, because I think Haley mentioned earlier, like the seasons of life and what your kids need and what you need. And so sometimes I'm more active in creating events, but yeah, but that not making it one thing so that it can apply to more people 
and just use it as a tool almost as like a, a an existing community that that's always going to be there for a, such a variety of, of things because yeah you don't want to get stuck in one thing because that's that's going against the perk of of choosing kind of this lifestyle of doing what's right for your family and yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's the beauty of home education as well isn't it that you're always well I feel like we're always being presented with new opportunities and new ideas you you I'm often going to home ed groups and you know you meet people who've been home editing in the same area for quite a long time and you think how have we never run into each other before and I, you know and there is a core of people that I've known for a very long time but it's still it's so it's so lovely when you get those moments when you're like oh wow that's going on how lovely <laughs> let's try that out and let's try this out and and you said Erin about um about there being um, the possibility for change. De- I mean, that's one of the things I've definitely noticed that sometimes it can feel like things are going along the same forever. And then change comes in an instant. You have, you know, maybe you have a child who you, you think, oh yeah, they really need this. And maybe it's not happening for a while. And then suddenly the opportunities, you know, come before you and you're like, oh, wow, I thought this was never going to change. And then it's, you know, I guess that's parenting, isn't it? You you know, the phases of things that happen. And then suddenly you're like, oh, wow, I thought I thought that would go on forever. And now suddenly it's a, a distant memory. I just wanted to jump in with a question following that, because I was just thinking like everything you just said, Haley, and what you described, Kendall, I'm just nodding along because I'm like, that makes so much sense for all involved. And I appreciate like you're, you're a parent yourself and you're um, going to obviously be trying to prioritize your own needs and your family's needs, your children's needs. So to make that all work that, yeah, just the way you described and like, that makes so much sense. Um, One question I had while listening was, and it's just purely from curiosity. So I'm not, I'm not trying to make any assumptions or anything. I just wonder if this is a question other people might have too, and listening to that. Um, I'm just wondering in your experience and Aaron and Haley, you've maybe seen this too, so you might speak to it as well. Um, But the way um, your group is kind of structured. So there's like that room for flexibility and there's like not a, like what I'm understanding, not a consistent, like regular weekly meetup or something. What I'm curious about is, have you seen over, um, you know, these however many years you said, um, have you seen, um, what am I trying to say? Like consist, kind of consistent friendships building over time with the children. Um, because I know that's something we think about. I mean, I've spent a little bit time thinking about it, but I hear other parents ask about that. Like, well, and not to, not to compare it to school, but like, well, my children were in school, you know, they have their consistent, there's more of that like opportunity to be with the same group of kids day after day after day. Um, does that question kind of make sense? Do you know what I'm getting at? Definitely. Um, my children definitely have had long lasting friendships. And there's been a, a few things recently that were very heartwarming. Um, for instance, a friend that we've known for years through the home education group, um, haven't seen a lot of them lately. And so I, of course, am friends online with the mother. So I'm kind of following along with their family story and they're actually going to be moving. And so I, I'm letting my daughter know this and I'm like, oh, look at this child's birthday cake. It's a the theme is of a book series you really like too. And then she's off showing my husband and she's like, look at my friend's birthday cake. And so that was just refreshing to me that even though it's, it's more like how things are as an adult. Um, I think in the school system, we've got 30 peers, our same age, and that's not really something that's replicated in adulthood. 
in adulthood, we might have friends who are 30 years older than us, 10 years younger than us. It's a variety. And then it's usually quality over quantity, right? And so that she had enough experiences with this friend, even though they weren't every day, all day, to really still consider her a friend and to refer to her in that way. Um, and then there are children that we see more frequently. Um, and I think it's just, I, what I love about it is that you can get in the vehicle after whatever type of event it was, and you can connect with your kids and talk about friendship. And it's almost like you have way more opportunities to debrief, to support and encourage, to give an adult view on friendships or any little issues that could come up, right? So they're almost having more opportunity to be socialized in the sense that um, it's not a large pack of children who are falling under one teacher's maybe guidance or, and you know, we can't, (laughs) there's not enough time to get into all the nitty gritties of relationships. So um, yep, they do have consistent people over the years. And another thing, like there's so many stories in our group. So uh, one core family that came out for maybe five years moved off to out east Um, and just this past week uh, one of the children that's been in our group for a similar amount of time he and his whole family flew out to visit them because they've kept that friendship alive through gaming ever since they moved so even when you're moving a whole province away uh, it's so amazing to see those friendships continue and and honestly reflect a little bit more realistically than and the all day, every day with the same group of kids and all of the ins and outs that can come with that. Like, oh, well, you were my best friend yesterday and he's not my best friend anymore. And that can happen just from needing space from people, right? Um, as adults, we are setting up meetings with each other on a, on a basis that works with our lives. Um, so if that's what our children are experiencing as well um, with playdates with certain friends and family members, in a more small pocket of time, but it's very concentrated into, so for instance, a couple days ago, we met up with one other family. We went to a historic um, national, like an old historic home. And then we went to a park after and had a tea party complete with the China teacups and everything, because that's what my daughter and this friend wanted to do. And so like, how amazing, like I would want to do that. (laughs) And I did, I got to visit with the other child's mother. And so those little things that you can accommodate for your kids um, well, less frequent are so enriching, I would hope and fulfilling. They seem to fulfill my kids. So. Yeah. Thanks, Kendall. That's been similar to our experience too. I found, and you, you put that into words much more, um, clearly than I would have been able to. So thanks. I think that's a question that it's a question I see come up quite a bit. So that's great. Yeah. I love that question, Ashley. And and I've been, I've been thinking lately about how, um, very similar, very similarly to you, Kendall, we, we had those, I think, same kinds of friendships. And a couple things come to mind. Um, one is that I think, you know, there's sometimes an idea that, uh, how can I put it? I, I guess that, that homeschooled kids, uh, I don't know. Well, there's the sheltering piece. There's the idea that maybe they're not exposed to as many people. But I actually think over time, they become really good at figuring out how to be friends with all kinds of people because sometimes we are a smaller cohort and, and I would say that even of the parents, we all kind of have to work together in a different kind of a way. So I think for my kids, they've definitely found friends who 
yeah, they would have natural interest with. So that would be the connecting point, maybe a particular sport or whatever. Um, but also, you know, over the years they branched out and just became connected to people just because we were having common experiences together, right? Not everybody, but lots of different people. And it's been kind of fun, you know, now that they're older, even people they haven't maintained contact with, maybe they've seen them the odd time or they'll see them online and they're so supportive of people. Like even people that are making, you know, totally different decisions or they have completely different interests, lifestyles, kind of getting into this, you know, early adulthood stage. And there's just like this kind of bond that they had these experiences together and they did these things together. So I don't know, there, there's definitely something, I, I mean, it's not quite like a sibling relationship, but it's a little bit different than what I remember from school friendships. Definitely with school friendships, you have common, you definitely have lots of common experiences as well. But I think with things like homeschool field trips and homeschool events, you're, you're getting so much more open time with people. It's not just contained to recess or whatever, lunch hour or, you know, the Halloween party or whatever. You're, you know, often we would be meeting at, you know, in the forest or whatever. They would have hours together to get into a much deeper level of play and to figure out the dynamics amongst one another. So I do think that, you know, even though they weren't seeing each other five days a week, it was very significant, these, these pockets of, of free time. Um, Haley, you were talking, I think the last time that we recorded, we haven't, it's not out yet, but about, I think recently you'd been at a home ed meetup where there'd just been this play that had gone on and on, right? It had been such a lovely day. And that's what I mean. It's, it's like those experiences are very key and they really, I think they really stay with us and I think they stay with our kids. So it doesn't mean you're going to be friends with these people forever, but you just have this fondness um, and kind of mutual, mutual respect, I guess. Yeah, we've had a, a couple of instances recently where my older guys have, have run into people that they've known yet yeah, years ago and perhaps not, not seen very often. And, and as you were talking, I was thinking, yeah, they were, yeah, it was really nice to see how they remembered so many, so many trips and meets that they'd been on together. And they were, yeah, very, very fond and supportive of each other and and I was thinking there as well while you were talking about how I know we've said it so many times on here and it, and it's a classic thing that home editors say that just the joy of seeing all those different ages together and the different experience that even in even in one day um you know the the, the different experiences that our children get in terms of being one of the oldest or one of the youngest and um you know, the, the dynamics of the group can change during, you know, during the same session, there'll be people older than you and there'll be people younger than you and the things that happen. And I, I mean, that is just one of the the really lovely things. And, and interestingly, that's been one of the things that um, a couple of the groups that my daughter goes to at the moment are run by agencies that primarily work with school children. And that's been one of the things that they've really noticed um, the, because they run a lot of summer camps and stuff for, for school children as well where there are multi-ages together um but they were saying that that um yeah just the the depth of the friendships between children of different ages 
and how they are so supportive of each other. Because I think at school, sometimes it's a bit embarrassing if your friend is, I mean, I even remember with my girls at some point, it's a bit embarrassing when you've got a sibling in a different um, a different year group and you don't necessarily, you know, want to be seen talking to them. <laughs> Whereas I think in home ed groups, you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's bound to happen sometimes, obviously. But generally, there's much more um, acceptance, I think, of, um, yeah, being, it doesn't matter how old they are. If you gel, then, then that's kind of cool. Let's you know, let's be friends and, and have a chat. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to see. Oh, Haley, I just, you know, that, that sibling thing brought up something for me that I hadn't even thought about. Now, when my kids are looking back, so let's say they see somebody online, you know, that they're connected with, because they have maintained online connections, but it's kind of, it's just pleasant. It's not always, you know, really, really good friends. So maybe they'll find out something or they'll see somebody's parent out and about that happened recently with uh, one of my sons, the gym he works out with, you know, and so he came home and reported on, oh, you know, I, I saw this family's parents, but he doesn't just report on the guy his age. He reports on the sister and the younger siblings. And the so it's kind of like what you're saying yeah, if they really do see people as family units. Um, and I've seen that over and over again, just this interest, not only in what the person closest to their age, you know, might be up to, but what are all the siblings up to? And the other thing that came to mind, I can remember like, um, just kind of watching kids set up sports. So, you know, it might be a structured game, but they were setting it up and noticing that very naturally, so for example, there was, I, I can think of one time when my oldest son was maybe about eight and there was another couple of guys around his age. And what they would do, even as eight-year-olds, is they would set up the, the they were small teams, like this was a, just a few families this one time, but they would make sure that there was a mix of younger and older so that the younger guys didn't get dominated if they were, were playing the sport. The other thing that they did a lot more easily than I would have been able to do is acknowledge their own strengths and weaknesses. So somebody would be comfortable saying, you know, I'm your age, but yeah, could I be on your team? Cause I'm not very good at this or I've never done this before. And the other person would kind of be comfortable being honest about that, <laughs> like, you know, not in an insulting way, but it was just very matter of fact, like the goal was to have a fun game. And so there wasn't all this competitive nature. I mean, the game was competitive, but it wasn't about kind of elbowing people out as far as who was at the top, or it wasn't about being embarrassed if you hadn't played the sport before. And I don't mean that that never happened. I mean, each of, each of my kids, I think, has had moments where they feel a bit self-conscious if there's something they haven't done before. But I just, I don't really notice that, that the whole structure of setting up an activity, whether it was art, whether it was sports, whether it was something like musical, I don't know. It was just more about finding a way for everybody to be part of it than categorizing people by age or, or ability. Yeah, I found that too. What, what, what came to mind was um, like just, I think, autonomy and choice, I find, because home educating kids in our group, at least in our experience, 
they have so much more choice and there is flexibility and openness in, in some of the meetups we do together. And so it's not, this is a fun day and we're going to have fun and here's what fun looks like. And then the whole schedule for the day. Um, it's if that game, for instance, came out of their own desire to play that game, then they're leading it, they're structuring it, and it can fall in place more naturally without the, oh, parents are looking. Okay, so we got to do it this way, or we're only used to, and, and a lot of what, what's been coming to mind as all of you are talking is like, without strict labels in our minds all the time of, um, you're this grade and I'm this grade, and that is this big chasm between us, and we will not talk to each other. <laughs> um, my kids don't know. They're like, what grade am I at? I, what's a grade? What, that word is weird. Um, and so when they, when, when there's choice in the matter and when there's not all these labels um, and when, yeah, you're looking. And I think a big factor is like when we're at events with the community, there is always a parent with their children. And so every child there is seen with such love and value because children are so loved and valued by their parents. And so my kids, I feel like, as well as myself, I pick up on value that these kids all have to their parents because they are coming as like a family unit and to their siblings and so there's not the labels there's not the grades there's not the division there's more autonomy of choice and then also everybody there is just you can just feel a sense of love and everyone has usually chosen to be there um, because if that particular you know event didn't work well for them then their parent would probably just say okay we won't go this week so like there's so many factors that go into just it being more relaxed, right? And more about having a good time. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's a whole different, it's it's kind of like you couldn't have imagined it if you hadn't experienced it, right? I, I think it's, I think that's kind of what I think of. It's, it's kind of beyond anything, um, even, even big organized events I can remember going to like we used to go to these big track and field events and it was so cool like at the end you know parents could do the races like it was just very very supportive and it was competitive it's not that it wasn't competitive it was so it did meet that need for for some kids right like my son for example who really wanted to you know get in there and excel it met that need but there was just really like again I think so many parents like such a good ratio of adult to child that even when things did go a little bit south or there might be somebody struggling or whatever there were enough adults there um and enough adults who cared like that's such a good point Kendall I had never thought about that before it's not really just an adult to child ratio it's somebody who knows that child somebody who values that child um makes a world of difference in the way that other people see them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am kind of curious, Ashley, one of the things that we kind of roughly talked about, so I'm kind of throwing this at you, I guess, because, you know, I think the pandemic was a period of time that you guys kind of got into gear with your homeschooling. Um, as far as what people look for when they're looking for, um, a community or a group or maybe an alternative school. And I think for myself, it was very much um, social opportunities. It wasn't so much for, I mean, it was for me in the sense that I kind of needed that security of knowing there were some other kids for him to play with. I don't know if it was so much for me as far as like talking about 
homeschooling. Um, I think that actually came later for me, but a big piece for me was just honestly, sometimes having something to do because I think that was a big piece of it. It was like, okay, well, what do we do all day? Because even if you, even if you do structured um, uh, homeschooling, even if you do a lot of strewing, it, it can be a lot of hours. <laughs> it can be a lot of hours. And my husband used to commute and work a lot of hours. And I just thought, I feel like that's a big piece of what we're looking for is something that gives us a bit of shape to the week. Um, yeah. So from your perspective, what? Very what much. Yeah. Sorry. And yeah, very much similar to what you just shared there. Um, it was, we need more to do. Um, and I needed access to other children for my guys to connect with not every day, but just once in a while during the day, especially when we first started, cause uh, my eldest was six, my youngest was three. So they were still really little. So I remember, um, early on waiting for the school day to end and then going over to the park where there might be neighborhood kids. My kids were tired. And I remember thinking like, I need um, people to meet up with like in the morning when my kids ha- are full of energy and they're ready, you know, they're at their best <laughs> um, and not starting to need to wind down because they're getting tired at the end of the day. Um, and yeah, same thing. Like my, it would be, my husband would be at work quite a bit. He works 10 hour shifts. So those days could feel quite long. And we kind of just needed something like a couple times a week to go out um, and get outside and just be with other people. Um, And I too felt my kids like needed that, or at least I assume they needed that more um, than I did. Um, I actually found, not that I don't like connecting with other parents, I do, um, but I actually found my kids still needed a lot of my attention. So when Um, that was a little bit of a challenge for me in some of the different groups, some groups, it was easier than others. And I found um, like the first group we got together with was our local wild and free group. That was kind of the first group I found um, that we could, they were meeting on, they were meeting every other week. Um, I forget what day it was. I think it was like Friday mornings and they would just go pick different like local hikes to do and it was really like you just show up that day if it works if not that's okay and we did that um and that was really nice because it kind I don't think they took much of a break during the winter because here that was another thing I noticed that things really slowed down the colder it got (laughs) but we still needed to get outside um and that group met um they kind of kept going and they, they would go out and because we were walking and it was like a hike, you could connect. I don't know. It was like that movement. So there was talk and, and, you know, there'd be chatting and sharing and stuff and the kids would be moving. The kids got along really well too. I found (laughs) Um, that movement. I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I can see why that was pretty successful for in some ways um, for both myself and the kids, because um, we stopped going to that group. I forget why Um, we kind of slowly stopped going and then we started doing more park meetups. So um, I think it was more so like newer homeschoolers. They started homeschooling because of the pandemic, Um, but other people would come in too who were homeschooling for longer amounts of time, but it was always a meetup at a park. 
And again, at the time, I couldn't figure out what it was, but it always seemed to be more challenging. And I think it was for different reasons. Like one, there was like kids and like territories on the playground and stuff. Um, So they would get into little tiffs a lot, not all the time, but, you know, I remember having to like go, um, you know, help um, resolve different situations and stuff that would arise on the, like up on the playground. Um, And then the parents would kind of still be there, but like in their own little area, trying to, to catch up with one another and talk. And we had good moments there too, but that never seemed to work as well. Um, I don't know. There was just more of a divide with the, from the, the, the kids and the parents I found with that one. So that had it pros and cons to all of it, I guess. Um, I can, I can share more of what it was, but to, to answer that question, Erin, it really was just something to do and then making, you know, trying to find other children that my kids could play with during the day, we never, what I really wanted was, um, something much more like easygoing and just having more people homeschooling in our neighborhood, (laughs) which I don't, there might be someone, but I haven't met them. So I don't think so. Um, because I like the really easygoing, like, Hey, does so-and-so want to just come over for a couple hours and play in the basement or in the backyard? Um, so, and I'm with them, but also just doing my own thing too, like really laid back, easygoing. My one guy, well, both of them, um, like we have one, they have one friend who is the same age as my eldest. They actually met at school and they've stayed in touch because he lives in the neighborhood. So they're really good buddies. And he actually, all three of them. So my other guy's obviously younger by a couple of years and they all play together really, really nicely, which my guys don't think anything of, but I realized how special that is. Cause I think if they all went to school, when that friend came over, they probably wouldn't play together so much. But anyway, my point is, is that this little friend still comes over, obviously, at least usually on the weekends, because he goes to school, but it's just so easy, like it just comes over on a Saturday morning or a Saturday afternoon, and they just play around the house. And I always think I really wish we could find another homeschool family um, that had one or two or more kids, um, that we could kind of just do that, where it's not like in a, not that there's anything wrong with those arranged, organized, bigger meetups, but just something even more casual if that makes sense um but yeah it was very much for those reasons that you shared as well Erin as to what we were looking for and what we're still really looking for is that that social piece well and I think that that I I really like those pieces too where kids are just getting invited to each other's houses or sometimes it might just be you know another family says do you want to go out for lunch or do you want to have a picnic or you know any number of those kinds of things and I I found that I think that being part of the group actually led to those relationships at some point where, you know, I think sometimes being part of a larger group felt overstimulating to me. Um, But I guess the payoff was (laughs) that there were these branch offs at times of friendships that you would meet and you would notice that, you know, the kids would really connect at a certain point. And there might even be what I would often find there would sometimes be a natural invitation at the end of, of a get together, like Haley and Kendall, I don't know if that's been your experience too, but so we would finish what we were doing, whether it was a field trip or whether it was a get together. And then, you know, another family would say, you know, do your guys want to come over? My guys aren't they would still like to continue playing or we would just stay late in the space, depending on where we were. Right. But if it was like an outdoor 
um, thing. But I agree, Ashley, there's something really nice about just having those opportunities in smaller numbers um, as well. And it kind of makes me think of like what when people are looking for a community, you know, are people looking for something more open-ended? Are they looking more for a co-op type style? Are they looking for kind of field trips that are organized, but not, you know, kind of here and there. And I think that, as I said, our group kind of, it evolved a little bit. I can kind of think of it in three, maybe four different stages. Um, so it varied, but we kind of had a combination of those things, which, was really actually quite nice because if you wanted to do something structured, like, you know, we had something called book talk where kids could each show a book they were doing and whatever. So you could do those kinds of things. Um, but there were also a lot of opportunities to just meet, like you're talking about with your wild and free group, go for a hike um, as well. Now, I think if I could think back to doing it differently, both as like a participant initially, and then even facilitation, I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of focus on getting consensus, which in theory sounds really good. But I think what that did sometimes is it created a bit of pressure for people to participate in everything because, you know, we would have sort of like a monthly meeting. And it would be like, hey, what's everybody interested in doing? What are everybody's kids interested in doing? And so you kind of come up with these things. But it was a fair bit of pressure and unspoken pressure. Like there was nobody, there was nobody standing over you saying you had to go. But if somebody had gotten, you know, a block of theater tickets and was organizing that whole process, I'll, I mean, I'll just speak for myself because I organized a lot of those things. And so then there was pressure on my own kids. <laughs> to be there because I had to be there collecting the money and kind of doing those pieces. But I think it was also pressure on families sometimes because you'd reserved these seats and whatever. So all that to say that I think, you know, as wonderful as a lot of these home ed things are, um, it can be tricky sometimes. And I don't even think there's a right or wrong answer to it, but it can be hard to organize those things and it can be hard to attend because sometimes there's a bit of an expectation if you've kind of agreed to it ahead of time mm -hmm. and then maybe it's not working out so well that day with your child or right whatever I've definitely okay. experienced a lot of those logistics things um over the years and I've learned from a lot of what not to do next time and I think I've shifted really into if I'm planning and leading something it's because my kids are fully on board with it so like putting that as number one, because the way our group is structured, it's like encouraging anyone to, if you're passionate about it, or if you have, you know, maybe someone works at a theater or their, you know, sister does. And so, oh, I've got this opportunity. They're leading that show. And so because it's shifting off to different people, nobody's getting burnt out and um, people can, I feel like there's a, quite a few people in our group who will say things to me like, I, I, um, here's an interesting opportunity that's going on. It's not my wheelhouse to organize that. That's kind of your thing. If you're interested, here's the information. So I think a lot of people in the group um, who can kind of feel worn out or tired, that's not their thing. They can like pass off suggestions or opportunities to people who, like there's a handful of people in our group who I would, I would think of as being way more um, open to leading things. 
organizing them, advertising them, taking the money and making them happen kind of thing. And so not that doesn't mean that other people don't have a voice. They can then suggest and um, bring opportunities to light and then other people can take leadership on them if they want. Um, but yeah, definitely the whole, I've learned a lot of the logistics over the years of um, just even little things like taking money. It's like, I've learned to be like, if you can't make it for whatever reason, you please contact me so that I'm less worried about roll call when we're there. Who, who do I, who do I owe money back to, you know, all those logistical things. But like, I state everything very clearly right off the top, um, take money ahead of time. And then you contact me if you need money back just to make it so that I like, I don't get burnt out and that I'm enthusiastic about doing the next, the next one as well. And then I find I, I, if I, if we had, for instance, in Feb, January and February, we did a book club and that was something that me and one other mom, um, from scratch, like just planned the whole thing, um, you know, booked the facility, uh, for the final party, we made bookmarks that the kids could track their reading. So it felt like a real community effort. Um, we had to get prizes sourced and, and plan games and activities. Right. And both my kids were super excited about it and loved it. And so that's why, what drove my passion uh, for doing it, even though it was quite a bit of work. Um, and then that was an event where the actual event itself, uh, the entire time from setup to takedown, right. I was kind of helping lead it. And so my kids had to be on board with, with, you know, just being a part of the group, which they're used to having my full attention. Right. So so that was so that was a large hands-on activity. So maybe now, maybe I won't do one of those again for a while to, you know, just to make sure that uh, I stay excited and enthusiastic. So since then we've done casual horse play meetup, you know, uh, park meetup. Um, oh, this event is happening at, at a, uh, like a local museum. Once I, once I get there, everyone's signed up and paid, but then somebody else, a professional at the facility leads, you know, leads it. So like kind of um, like getting a little good mix, not only for my kids so that they have some events that we're going to where I'm with them as their parent and not kind of leading the whole thing. And then um, just so that we have variety and, and uh, it stays interesting and, <laughs> and that no one person's getting burnt out. And I find if I leave a month or two where not anything huge ha is happening, I'll find another parent. Um, coming, you know, so leaving room for other parents to be like, oh, nothing's been, nothing big's happened lately. I'm going to, you know, put something together. So that's real nice. And we kind of have our anchor points. Like we love to do a Valentine's party, a Halloween party. So there's things that people in our community throughout the year, they know, okay, we're going to have some fall forest plays. We're going to have indoor playground meetups in the winter months. Um, there's those staple anchor points and then just sprinkling in things throughout or just even like posting this is happening in our in our neighborhood let me know below if you want to go so that you kind of know oh we'll know a few people who are going to that same thing so it's just like the balance for your own sake and for your kids sake and the community as well mm -hmm. that makes me think too Kendall of the difference between um because we we've done both but you know I mentioned the whole thing of you know, organizing a number of seats somewhere or that kind of thing. But what we started to enjoy as the kids got a bit older too, especially when there might only be a few. So, it, so it, we were kind of branching out from maybe being part of a larger group, but still wanted to stay connected with some of those people was more like, Hey, this concert's happening. You know, 
who wants to go. And it was kind of the idea that there were, if there was even one other family or a couple friends to pick up, that was worth it. But we would post it as an opportunity. And sometimes lots of people would come. But again, if it's something that you're, I, I can't remember your wording, but the idea is it's something your kids are interested in. So then it makes it makes sense to put that time and energy into doing that. And if other people want to join, then that's wonderful, right? You're kind of offering that opportunity. But um, yeah, I, and I started just looking more at, you know, it doesn't always, especially as the kids got older, it could be an evening. It could be, you know, it didn't always have to be school hours, which I think when the kids were younger, like you said, Ashley, I was looking for those daytime those daytime things. So I think age had a lot to do with it as well, but we could get a little bit more flexible as they got older. Um, just also wanted to speak to the idea of different, like you mentioned in Kendall, different people having different strengths and comfort levels. And I think that, you know, when, when our group would do something that was um, quite focused, like let's say a medieval unit or something like that. And, and there would be people doing all sorts of, really interesting things that I'm not very good at. So where I'm pretty comfortable is organizing like outings and events and taking money and kind of doing those sorts of things, leading a group of children through a craft. No, (laughs) not my thing. So I would kind of be that person that was, you know, I would very concretely be available to little, you know, younger kids or kids who just weren't into what was happening or kids who finished early, right? They did their thing um, and they were done. They didn't want to continue making a second one or whatever. And so, you know, myself and somebody else would maybe be available for those kids just to kind of play and, and whatever. So there was a lot of, I do think the kids witnessed a lot of cooperation among parents too, which is cool. Like, I think that was a really neat, um, offshoot of that is me just being able to say that's not my thing (laughs) you know but I can do I can organize and I can do the kind of hands-on stuff but that middle ground teaching stuff isn't my thing um and so yeah they could see that and they could see people kind of trading off but I like that idea that you mentioned about really being conscious of not setting yourself up for burnout because I think that happens. Like, I think it happens a lot. And I appreciated, we had a conversation with um, uh, Kiki from Kiki and the Wildlings. It's going to be posted, I think, in the next day or two, that that conversation. And I appreciated her bringing up some of the difficulties of homeschool socialization, right? Some of the people do get burnout. And I think, um, to her point, I'd have to go back and listen to it again, but it can feel intense sometimes with all these different personalities. And, you know, in school, there's a little more clarity around who's in charge and kind of the structure of it. And I think with home education, we're navigating that much, even among parents, we're, we're, we're kind of navigating that ourselves. So I appreciated her just saying, I think she used the word exhausting. And I'm like, it can be, right? It can be exhausting. And I think it's just good to acknowledge that and um, kind of have some awareness of it. But then Haley, you had followed that up in that conversation talking about that just shows you how much skill building this takes, right? It, it's it's both for the kids and the parents. We're all kind of learning how to navigate these different personalities and different, um, I guess, dynamics for lack of a better 
for lack well, of a better. Yeah, as you were as you were talking, Erin, I was just thinking about the whole, you know, think people thinking that home ed kids maybe don't get the chance to socialise or they don't understand how to socialise. And, you know, we are not a group of people who are all the same. <laughs> my, you know, my experience of going to home ed groups is that there are very different families and very different parents and very different children from each other with different personalities and strengths and needs. And, and you know, it is... Um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely um, an exercise in meeting lots of people from different walks of life. I think, <laughs> I think you know, we're, we're not a homogenous community, are we? We're full of all different types of people. And that's definitely something that our children get to um, experience, I think. Yeah, not only and because they're in that, you know, that multi-age community where there, there are um children and there are parents and sometimes there are grandparents that are, that are coming along and there is a lot of um, scope for learning how to communicate with all different types of people I think that's definitely the case in our experience mm-hmm. and I think part of learning can be um, it doesn't always look smooth <laughs> right so as much as we're saying you know I, I'm here talking about how great it is that my kids you know have have played with kids of different ages and include the siblings and that is all true. Um, But we've also been part of some difficult dynamics at times that we're trying to navigate. And um, that's all part of, that's all part of, of kids growing up and developing and um, just learning who they are and who other people are. And so I think, I think also whenever you're connecting with other families, there's for me anyway, there's sort of this sense of like, um, you really do have to take a deep breath and recognize that what you're seeing in front of you is this playing out of kids figuring out who they are in the world, who other people are, what their big feelings are, you know, are all about. Um, Whereas I think when people's kids are in school, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind to a point, unless you get a call from the school (laughs) and, you know, and I know lots of kids come home dealing with things. I don't mean that, but it's just in your, it's very much in your face all the time when you're home educating. So you're, um, there's your kids' feelings. There's other people's kids' feelings. There's other parents' feelings. (laughs) And I think that's maybe what Kiki was alluding to. It's, there's a lot happening and there might be periods of time where we want to change course a little bit or step back. And I think, I used to struggle when people would, I mean, just internally, I didn't, it wasn't my business to say, but I just was disappointed when people would leave, you know, maybe leave our group, but not just our group. We had other lessons and stuff we did, but maybe leave like a homeschool activity or put their kids back in school. Um, because it feels like so much work to build community that I think I wonder sometimes if we can cling a little bit, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, (laughs) but we cling, right? It's like, Oh, there's this family and we seem to have similar interests or I really connect with this mom or whatever. And then it's hard when people change course or move or make a different decision. Um, So I guess I'm just saying there's so many imperfections as well, but at the end of the day, it's, 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 there's just so much growth, I think. And 
yeah, just even for, for ourselves in navigating all of that. That brought something to mind for me. Uh, I've, I've over the years kind of felt like sometimes I get a sense from some members of the group. Oh, we're kind of, we're kind of happy now. We're good. Like, let's just do stuff with people we know. Let's not continue to open things up. And I totally um, see that as valuing, you know, you know what you're going to, you know, who you're going to get, you know, the size it's going to be. Um, but you were talking about like, oh no, don't, don't go. We, we really value your connection you know, life happens for people. We've had so many people that over, like, it's only, I've only been doing this maybe seven years. Um, but even in those seven years, there's been people who consistently are those that come out and then life circumstances happen and, and they move or they move to a different province or they move just outside of your region. And now it's too far or their kids go back to school for different circumstances. And so having that, you know, long-term view of keeping a group um, growing and, you know, keeping a community that's not going to, oh, now we're down to like two core members because we, we were short-sighted and, and didn't keep things open, even though that can feel uncomfortable sometimes. Um, but just having that long view and also like wanting to remind people like you were once that new family who was searching for connection and would you, you know, you would, you wanted to find it and not have the group closed off and kind of sometimes open, sometimes closed, um, and I heard from so many people early on that had tried various groups, how they were welcomed, but not really. There seemed to be, you know, a series of check boxes they had to fit if they wanted to be part of that group. Um, so just being like super open and keeping our, our goal, just the heart of our children's well-being is, you know, that's our commonality. Then everybody's welcome, you know, that's what we're here for. Um, and keeping so you know and a bunch of you talked about those smaller one-on-one stuff definitely families find those connections with either the parent or the kids are gelling together and they do the smaller stuff the play dates all that right it's just having kind of a few larger community events to keep things to just make people feel welcome and not all of a sudden waking up one day and realizing oh we're we're down to like four families (laughs) or whatever it may be. Kendall, it's, it's, I don't know. I, it never fails to amaze me how common human behavior is, you know, (laughs) because these are some of the same exact same things that, that I, I can think of, um, as far as having these conversations with people, um, myself included, like going back and forth, do we want to keep opening it up or we are so enjoying, you know, this, these few people, what, you know, what's the kind of where to go with it um, and weighing the pros and cons. And I, I, I definitely remember those conversations. And I think that's something that's, that can be tricky. Like another real drawback about, um, about a sort of a homeschool community that's different than a school is that, you know, at school, I mean, if you're living in the area, you have a right to be at the school. And not that that necessarily goes smoothly, but the school does need to accept all children into their attendance and, and whatever. Um, but there is the potential to not be accepted into a homeschool group, either, either um, directly or just indirectly. Not that that doesn't happen indirectly at school. But directly, I mean, technically, if you're facilitating a group, you can, if things aren't going your way, and maybe it's the parent and maybe the kids are, are, it's not a problem with the kids, but maybe there's just a situation or whatever. Um, 
there is the potential to, to be more exclusive. And I think that uh, it's a catch. It's such a catch 22. And I think that there's not, <laughs> there's not always a right or a wrong answer to those things, but that has always come to my mind that um, there is the, the potential for people to be excluded. Um, and the flip of that is that because I was facilitating and would be often going early to meet a new family or just really trying to welcome people. I think sometimes, I think sometimes my kids were pushed into by me, (laughs) full, full disclosure, were pushed into, um, being friendlier or accepting people more than they ever would naturally based on their personalities or occasionally even sometimes the way other kids were acting. But I was like, no, that, you know, we're here to welcome this family. We need to be this way. Um, and I don't know what the answer is to that, but, but I think about that sometimes on both ends. It's, it's, I think we have to be careful uh, not to be excluding people, but I also think it can be hard sometimes for kids and homeschool groups because there is this expectation to some degree that everybody get along. I'm not sure if I'm making sense. It's I'm a little scattered with that thought, but um, it's just one more of those things. It isn't super clear cut and we just have to navigate it, I guess. But, and I've been on the other side of that too, where I'm not sure if I'm being accepted in certain sort of groups. So I, I can kind of see it from that perspective as well. But um, Haley and Ashley, I had just been thinking about like, we've never, we've never gone to a forest school before, but I think both of you have a little bit of experience with forest schools. And Ashley, you had made mention of a one that parents go to versus one that parents don't. And I just wondered, um, I just wondered a little bit more about that, the difference between the two or. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that was like um, forest school was kind of, I guess it was early on in our journey. I don't know, maybe year two, I guess, probably once things started to open up again, um, I started exploring forest schools as like, uh, oh, that's a way to find other homeschool families or children during the day. And we do have a few in the area, although I know at least the one we went to has, I don't think completely stopped, but our kids wouldn't, um, for their ages, they wouldn't have anything anymore. So it's for like really little ones. Um, but my guys went to, it was just, it was Tuesday afternoons and well, my eldest went longer. My youngest one, he decided to stop going after, I don't know how many sessions it was. He went for a little while, but he, he eventually, um, stopped. So the first one we went to, um, it was a drop-off program. And I remember actually at that time, another reason looking for something like this was because I was with the kids and and still am. I mean, it really hasn't changed. They've just gotten older. Um, But I was somewhat interested in a drop-off program only because we don't have family near us. I don't know if I've talked about it in previous episodes or not, but there, there was a piece of that. And there still is at times trying to find a way to have other people help support your children to take a little bit off of. Uh, your own plate um, with my husband working those 10 hour shifts and stuff. So I was um, interested and hopeful that this, cause it was just, it was like three hours, Tuesday afternoon. Um, and my guys both were interested in it and they both wanted to try it. And it was very like flexible. Um, like I remember the first time 
I could have stayed right with them. I didn't, but I stayed in the parking lot. Um, so that, especially because my youngest hadn't really experienced too much of that drop off and mom or dad just leaves. So anyway, um, it was a drop off program. Um, it was, um, I, it's kind of what you're saying uh, earlier, Aaron, I think it was you, Aaron, like it it met a need at that time. Um, Both of them recently actually asked about it and said, can we go back to that? So my eldest would have aged out of it. And then my other guy would be the right age still at seven, but I don't even, I think the program stopped, which which is so unfortunate because we just need those options out there. Um, And they liked it. It was very loosely structured. It was very flexible. Um, It was the only forest school I called. Like I said, there was a few in our area. It was the only one I called where I felt that it would meet our need. I found some of the other ones um, were very much like we follow the Ontario school curriculum. Um, I think, and I I think I did talk about this in a previous episode. um, So I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I remember specifically asking, um, you know, like how flexible, like how optional are the activities that you do throughout the day? Because I knew my eldest especially, and I wasn't sure about my youngest, um, there'd be certain things that he would really not be happy if he had to sit down and do them. Like, I think um, journaling was one thing that they said that they do, which I think is journaling is probably a common activity in forest school or nature-based programs, but that was not something he was into. And I remember the answer kind of coming back being like, well, we wouldn't force them to do it, but we would strongly encourage them to do that. I'm like, yeah, that's not going <laughs> to, that won't work. That won't go over well. Um, but I really uh, remember thinking that the forest school we tried um, really wasn't school. Um, it was very much getting a group of kids together between, you know, the, uh, I think it was like six, seven, eight year olds, um, outside playing. Yes, there were, um, invitations and activities available, but it was just for children who were interested in it. Um, but it wasn't, I mean, there were things that didn't work about it either, um, I noticed that there was, um, like the leaders or the facilitators would change sometimes and we didn't know ahead of time. So there was like a little bit of inconsistency with the adults running the program, um, which for some kids, I'm sure that's not an issue at all, but I know that that wasn't comfortable for both of my guys. And, um, that, that was a little bit tricky. Um, I'm trying to think what else to say about that one. It it was a good experience and I met some needs at that time. Um, just more recently, um, we've been invited to visit. Um, I don't, they don't, hmm, I don't know that they necessarily refer to themselves as a forest school. I would say it's more of like a consent-based forest school or consent-based nature program. Um, and we've been, been invited out to come like spend, it's not drop off. So it's the parents, at least one parent, um, has to stay and it's, but it's not a co-op, I wouldn't say. Um, although I do think the parents kind of take turns again, offering, you know, they might, someone might read a story or someone might lead a game or an activity. And I think the expectation I think is that parents take turns doing that. So we've gone out and we've visited twice. Um, and it's kind of like an opportunity to go out and get a sense, like meet, meet who goes, um, but just get a sense of what it's all about, which I think is just such a nice introduction because I found like when I signed the kids up for forest school, like the first one they went to, it was just like on your first day, you kind of get to, you know, figure out what it's all about. Whereas this one's just, even the way it's starting feels really good. Um, and it's, 
very consent based. Um, so it's not just that the kids will be, won't be forced to do things they don't want to do or something. It's very like, um, and again, maybe it's like, Kendall, I really liked what you're saying earlier, about the parents are there and they understand like their children's needs. I think it's a lot of that. And I've only been twice and I've had two different parents at different times. And they're very involved in the, in the program say to me, we have space for that. I'm like the one time I was saying my youngest. Um, so one issue we're running into is my youngest is feeling anxious. Well, I think anxious, um, wants to go. And then the day of, or when we get there, he's like, I do not want to be here anymore <laughs> and starts to have a really hard time. So I just said to the one parent, when we first got there, I could tell he's getting upset and then wasn't calming down. I just quickly said, off to the side. I'm sorry. And I just kind of explained the situation. I said, I'm not sure how long we'll be able to stay. And just the response I got from her was so welcoming and safe. And she said, we have space for that. We understand whatever you need, like just exactly what I needed to hear in the moment. (laughs) And um, that was at our second visit. And I had a similar response. I can't remember what, (laughs) what I said at that time, but just a very like, um, like a group of people that they're just, they're there, like very much what you're saying, Kendall, like the reason we're here is to provide a safe, nurturing, fun experience for the children. So that's what we focus on. Um, and because I'm there, if things happen, you know, good or bad, I can talk about it with my kids afterwards, afterwards, which um, again, it's been, it's having experience with that. Cause I pick them up at the other forest school. And of course you say, how did it go? What did you do? And you don't, necessarily get a whole bunch of information um, or I'd always check in with the facilitators and I always felt like I was the parent who had so many questions and I wanted you know and I, I was like sorry I have to let you go so it's so nice when you're you're there and you can just see how it's going and you're you're even if you're not because I'm not with them the two times we visited I'm not right there with them the entire time they go off into the forest with a couple other kids so they can find their freedom too it's not like I'm closely supervising them the whole time either but if there's a problem that arises like or my one guy got hurt um and he actually didn't come find me but when I got to him not long afterwards I was right there um so yeah so far and we're early on in this this program's experience um I'm really seeing the differences right away um we run into the problem. I don't know if anyone wants to speak to this or if anyone has any advice, because I think this is something some families run into. Um, I, I'm hoping we can continue with this program. My eldest really wants to and has a good time when we go, but my youngest has had a good time. Um, so the second time he kind of came around and I stayed with him quite a bit. We did a lot of one-on-one stuff and it was okay. Um, the first time we were there, he had a great time. Um, but I'm thinking like, if both of them don't want to go, my husband's not home. I, some days of the week he is, and then my youngest could stay home. But for the most part, both my two have to come with me. Like they're not old enough to, I can't leave anybody at home. <laughs> so um, I think that can be the challenging part when you're trying to meet those different needs, um, especially if you if you have more than two kids. Um, but yeah, so that's something we're, we're going to be, I think this group kind of takes a break in the summer a little bit, and then we might be invited back um, to kind of like fall time, I'm, I'm thinking, um, to see if we want to kind of like sign up or co- commit or something like that and kind of say, yeah, we want to, you know, join for a while. Um, 
but I'm not sure if we'll, we'll get to, because um, I'm not going to, you know, if my youngest is really uncomfortable with it or it's not the right fit right, right now, um, we might need to put it on hold, which is tough because I, I know my, my eldest wants it. And I mean, I want it too. So um, yeah, that's been our experience with, with those types of programs. Yeah, we, we've had um, some similar experiences to you, Ashley, I think. We, we've had um, a forest school that my daughter goes to at the moment is a drop off. Um, but it is. Um, and it, and funnily enough, it was the first. Well, it was the first kind of drop off activity that she wanted to do. And the, fe- the very first session, even though it's a drop off, they are very flexible, like you were saying. And they said, oh, you can come up into the woods and see where we are the first time. And. I was really shocked because my daughter said, no, I'll be fine. I'm going. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, OK, then. And um, yeah. And, and from then, I mean, she's been going for, for years now and and loves it. And unfortunately, their communication is excellent. And when they come down from the forest, they, you know, kind of as a group often. Um, but even if they're not as a group, the facilitators will come and talk to you about what they've done and kind of share things that the children have made and things they've done. And that that's really lovely. But we've also had experience in the past of a much more parent led kind of um, collaborative thing where we just had some parents who were kind of really into foraging and some that were kind of good at shelter building and that kind of stuff. And that was much more informal. And and sometimes it would even be it wasn't always even on a regular day. I think it was kind of people would just um, when we were in email groups would send an email out saying I'm thinking of doing this next week and this is the kind of topic I'm thinking and and then people would just rock up and that was um, yeah and that was lovely because that was just people using the things that they were really interested in because they wanted to share them with the kids and and that was great and in fact quite a few of those sessions I remember were kind of walking um, meets which you were talking about earlier Ashley and I really recognized a lot of what you were saying in there about um, being able to kind of move fluidly through the group but you have a purpose you're you know you're going somewhere to do something um, was a really lovely dynamic and a change from um, I mean we love park meets but it was a you know it was a change and I think that's the thing the seasons that we've been through have, have definitely Sometimes, it, sometimes it, you know, some kids sometimes really want those casual part meets. And sometimes you have your child, you can just tell that they want more of a kind of focused activity, you know, more of a, a craft thing or, yeah, we're all going to dress up as book characters and talk about a favourite book or whatever it is. There are seasons of life, aren't there? Um, but yes, uh, when you were saying, Ashley, about having children, yeah, one child wants to go and one doesn't, that's definitely an issue that we <laughs> that we faced for many years um and there's no easy answer to that is there it's it's an ongoing conversation and what works one week isn't necessarily going to work the next and you know or what's what works for one child isn't going to work for another um and yeah and I suppose what I can say to that is that yeah it was definitely an ongoing conversation and it was I think one of the important things I guess is is um yeah, letting them have their feelings about the fact that they don't want to go. <laughs> um, and sometimes when people have had the, when they've been able to express that, they might actually be able to come to a point where they could compromise, negotiate. You know, you can sometimes find creative solutions to, you know, maybe 
you know, I, I know we've definitely had times where we've gone to a meet all together and then me and perhaps one of my children have kind of gone off into the corner somewhere and read a book together. So we're kind of there, but we're not really part of it. We've taken, you know, we've taken favourite toys or, um, you know, when iPads came along that, <laughs> that you know, people would take things and, um and then, you know, sometimes they would halfway through, sometimes then they would start getting involved because they were able to have that really slow start where they could see what was happening, get comfortable with the group. And then maybe they would join in and maybe they wouldn't, <laughs> um, you know, things just, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was unpredictable. Um, and it was, a yeah, and it was something we had to keep revisiting, I guess, that kind of, negotiating what we're going to do and how we're going to manage it um it's a so, really yeah. good skill though I I it's a very similar for me that the negotiating and, and the compromise but they're having that firsthand experience at young ages is how I always look at it um learning relationships um that's that's what life is even for us adults so the give and take and the what could I get out of this situation? How could I do it a bit differently? Figuring all that out. Um, yeah, I deal with that a lot too. For instance, this tea party in the park I mentioned earlier, uh, where I knew that my daughter and the friend love deep conversations. I didn't want my eight-year-old to feel left out because he's not interested in sitting and having tea in a china cup. Like, so along comes his, he's a big time vintage Fisher Price collector. So big bag of vintage Fisher Price, bag of sidewalk chalk, and came up with an idea ahead of time. What if we created like roadways and and villages in the pavilion with our sidewalk chalk, and then you set up your little people, right? So getting them a buy-in ahead of time, like you're not going to be forgotten, you're not going to be constantly dismissed. Um, and then went validating, like one of you mentioned, just when they come to you and say, "I'm kind of done here," you know, validating that, and then saying well, your older sister's not done. So let's come to a, let's come to an agreement on how much longer we're going to stay so that it's not, they don't feel constantly brushed aside and forgotten about when the event's not the perfect fit for them. But definitely I've learned that over the years, um, anticipating if it's more of a fit for one child than another, and then ahead of time having conversations about how can we make it a better fit for you? Um, yeah, stuff like that, maybe even, if it comes down to um, finding like they're, they're maybe dropped off at a different program or a friend's house or something like that um, so that they're not having to be expected to be part of all the same things as each other. And I imagine that gets even more complicated with four or five children. I only have the two and it is, it is a lot of negotiating compromise, but again, it's like they're, they're learning that skill then they're just seeing that's the way life always is and give and take. Yeah. And I think too, that kids like so much of what you're all saying, I think that, that kids respond to our intentions. So they, I mean, I'm sure for many of us, the, the answer that we would have maybe grown up with or, or, or heard is just, well, this is what's happening. <laughs> too bad. Get in the car, whatever. Um, I'm not suggesting that was necessarily always my experience, but I think that traditionally that's kind of the thinking is, well, this is a lesson to learn. You know, you, you have to go places you don't like to go sometimes. But to your points, I think, Kendall and Haley, 
that's almost the easy answer from a parental perspective. Working it through a little bit differently and more creatively is a lot of learning, right? So it's learning how to figure um, some things out, you know, that somebody else wants to do, but it's also learning more about yourself and what can you do to help yourself um, see a situation differently rather than just be resentful because you have to go. <laughs> You're actually kind of getting an opportunity to kind of work with, well, what would feel better for me? How, what would make this more um, enjoyable or even just tolerable, <laughs> depending on what the situation is, right? But I think when they see that we have that intention of kind of taking everybody into account individually and then figuring out how that all works in as a group, I feel like that goes a long way rather than kind of just setting that, well, this is how it is. Um, which I, th- I think people actually think work the, works the opposite way. But, it, but I, I do think that when you get into that communication, it helps them become more empathetic and more flexible. Um, and I think sometimes, like to, to, to Kendall's point, looking ahead and thinking about, well, yeah, what could make this more enjoyable for you in conversation? But then sometimes I would, also have a a backup thought as well maybe it's something a little bit different or a little bit more surprising that they might not have even thought of just I don't know a little trick in my bag somewhere um and then also that idea of acknowledging that they've acknowledging that maybe they've gone somewhere that wasn't their first choice and you know is there something that they would like to think about during the next day um that they maybe missed out on the day that they had to go but I think like everybody's saying, it's just ongoing, isn't it? Just ongoing, thinking it through, working it out, us not us getting it wrong sometimes. But I do think that that intention goes a long way when they can see that um, we want, you know, we want to make it work for as many people as possible. Um, I feel like that helps with that flexibility. And maybe that was your point, Haley, like sometimes they end up kind of changing their mind because they see that there's not this brick wall. They can see us as a parent actually taking their, um, their opinion or their uh, comfort level into consideration. And I know I've had a couple of things happen where it's been more, well, way more than a couple, gosh, (laughs) more of like a sensory issue or a real, um, I would say almost a point of suffering for a particular child. And just to give an example. um, So we were coming through uh, Toronto on our way home from somewhere one time. And I had surprised them with this CN Tower pass that I thought everybody would be very excited about. My one son in in particular loves the idea of the CN Tower, but he hadn't been up yet. And I didn't think it would bother anybody, but I was really wrong. <laughs> so, so it was really pretty, it ended up being a hard situation. So we made it to the top. Um, one of my other kids didn't really let on how much it was bothering them, but you could see as we were going up the elevator, you could just see this like terror really growing and building. And so here we are at the top and my one son, who's all excited, it was a windy day. He's out on the deck. He's he's just got his hands in the air and my other son is backed up like against a wall just trying to hold it together and so I said to my son who was really excited about the experience I just said you know what your brother's discomfort is higher right now believe it or not than your joy (laughs) 
<laughs> we have to figure this out. But what we did for his birthday a couple months later is we just planned myself and my son who really was enjoying the experience. We just planned ahead of time to really make it a fun time. And we just did it again. And he wanted to see the view before dark and after dark. So we went like late afternoon to early evening. And I think he felt very like validated in his interest in being there. And he was not at all resentful. Um, doesn't always work out that well, but he wasn't resentful. He, he understood that the discomfort that was happening with my other son was just so high. And I think sometimes that happens with kids who don't necessarily express verbally how they're feeling, that really digging in a little bit to why are they being resistant to a particular thing? Maybe it's not just a matter of digging their heels in. There could be, there could be something just on a physical level or, you know, sensory overload or whatever. There's so many different reasons that somebody might resist an activity, but not even know themselves exactly what it is uh, as far as being able to articulate it, or maybe just doesn't quite want to admit it, you know? So I think that's where I feel like there's a lot of sleuthing involved (laughs) sometimes too, where we're really looking at that big picture. So it's, I don't know, it's multifaceted, right? Yeah, I love yeah. that. And I, I've, I've had situations like that as well, um, not necessarily in the CN Tower. But I think a lot of times you have to look at it as some adults would not choose that as the outing, right? So us, when it, not only parents with children, but in this, in thinking of community building um, and different pits for different children, it's like you have to really, it's not making an excuse for children. Um, I, you know, I paid for these tickets that so we're going to enjoy this. It's not making an excuse for them. It's being just realizing every, we're all people, no matter the age, we all would choose things differently and having be just being validated in your feelings is so key. Um, and I love that flexibility. It's like the no set outcomes of even something like, oh, I've, you know, I might've put hours and hours into planning something and we get there and it's not a good fit for one of my kids. I have to like relinquish control, almost even have a backup plan sometimes of a few parents on board who kind of know what's going on, pass, pass it off to them if I need to be off to the side with one of my children, um, just to validate their emotions and feelings. And when you do that, there's a shift into, they like both of you, Haley and Ashley were saying, there might be that shift back into wanting to participate because they've been seen and heard. Um, and I also love that, like, it didn't go well the first time, Aaron. And so you went again, like that's such a interesting thing to think about, like with those no set expectations of certain outcomes, then you can, there's, you know, try again later. I love that. That's really interesting. I love stories like that because I can visualize it all. It's very iconic being up in the CN tower and you can tuck that in your back pocket as just something to remember. Like there's always next time. It's not going well now, you know, don't try forcing it the aim was to have fun so forcing it in that moment right you it's just traumatic for everybody then so I love just the flexibility of try again next time and validate people's feelings and recognize that us as adults are choosing certain things in our lives and so we're navigating that for our kids we're trying to give them autonomy and choice as home educators but there's still that element of you're an adult you're driving the car you you have the finances you know what I mean and so there's still that element of that, um, that you're making decisions for them. And so there's going to be those moments where they're not fully comfortable, right, with what you've chosen. Mm-hmm. But I think the more, the more that they can count on 
the more they can trust us and kind of count on our respect and count on the fact that we'll, you know, we'll accept that they might have certain feelings about things and they know that we're on their side and that we're going to try and find ways to make it easier if we can. The more times our kids experience that, then I think the more they're able to show that to their siblings and to us and to other people that they come into contact with, aren't they? And that's, um, you know, building their, I guess, building um, building something inside them that allows them to kind of recognise that in other people and to be able to give them the benefit of the doubt and a bit of patience and compassion and whatever if they see that, you know, in somebody else. And I think another thing that just came up for me then was that, um, you know, sometimes you have a situation where somebody doesn't want to go somewhere and you manage to get to that place, let's say, and then somebody seems to have a good time. Um and there's always the danger, I think, of, of kind of punishing kids for, um, I don't mean literally punishing kids, but kind of punishing kids for making the best of a bad situation. And kind of then, you know, there's a there might be a tendency sometimes for us to go, see, it was great. I knew you were going to love it all along. <laughs> and I think that's a lesson I learned a long time ago that I need to be really careful of that because of course you, you know, as, as a parent, you kind of want to, you want to think that you've made the best decision and yay, it worked out well and everybody had a great time. But in actual fact, you know, that the kid, you know, perhaps your child still didn't really want to be there, but they were making a best out of a bad situation. And then if you pile on all that stuff afterwards, then it can feel really um really uncomfortable I think and that's something to I don't know for us to bear in mind sometimes as well isn't it mm -hmm. um I have a couple more thoughts but I'm also aware of the time but I just you know we're also okay for a little bit longer so I don't know do, does anybody else have anything um to kind of add in that that you haven't had an opportunity to or that's kind of popped up um Okay, but the other, just the last couple things that are coming to my mind, a little bit different, but I think we've kind of touched on them in different ways. Uh, it's just the idea that I think one of the things that was helpful to, to me as far as homeschool community or homeschool group was to have some clarity in my mind and not that this couldn't change, but just to have some clarity around like what my goal was or what my intention was around um, pursuing things. And I think one of the things that worked well was that this particular group was really based around uh, kind of common experiences for kids or having an opportunity to get together and do things together. There wasn't really, I wouldn't say there was a pressure necessarily on friendship, although those kind of naturally happened or didn't, but, um, but it really was more about kind of what I said I was looking for, having somewhere to be, somewhere to go. And then if those natural connections happened, great. Um, but it was less about, for me at least, maybe maybe for other people, it would be interesting to see if they saw it differently. But for me, it was less about making my own friendships. And over time, that happened with quite a few people. And I definitely had good relationships with basically everybody. But as far as actual friendships or gelling, I didn't really make that my goal. Um, or even if I was really good friends with somebody I didn't necessarily make that my goal during a particular activity, if that makes sense. Like I really tried to keep my focus on um, this really being an opportunity for my kids and, and other kids. 
And that might be different for other people, but just for me, having had a couple of extroverted kids and just really finding it useful to kind of have this group of people, that's kind of where my, my head went. Um, and as I said, over time, there are those natural kind of breakoffs where you develop friendships with people anyway, and they might be individual families. But I mean, I think we've touched on this before, this idea that the people that your kids might really gel with might not be necessarily the parents in the group that you really gel with and then vice versa. And then all these interesting combinations of like um, two kids might really get along, but maybe, maybe there's not, you know, another sibling, or maybe there's a dynamic where another child doesn't connect that well. So I think, I guess what I'm saying is kind of moving my head out of the idea that there's going to be like a homeschool utopia, (laughs) that everybody, you know, it's all going to work and everybody's collectively going to be, you know, riding off into the sunset. Um, And we had so many of those experiences that actually were idyllic, but I just couldn't come with that. I just couldn't come with that expectation, I think was, yeah, kind of a piece of that. Um, And I'm trying to think what my second thing was. Oh, just that there's a part of me that um, hopes that maybe someday we don't even have to be talking about this so much that there would be more opportunity. I mean, kind of back to what we talked about in that other episode, where getting together with people and having opportunities, you're not even having to look for a group so that you have people, but that there are just more sort of opportunities like actually just more people in your neighborhood to meet up with at the park right that you're not necessarily having to kind of like seek out groups and that those groups could be there to serve a purpose when we want them or for people who want them but just yeah just more people (laughs) kind of doing whatever and available so that um yeah that just kind of struck me Ashley right you're at the, the park at 10 in the morning, wouldn't it just be great if it was natural for there to be other families there, even if it wasn't a Saturday, right? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I certainly hope one day we might see that or our kids might see that one day where it's just more, it's just, there's just options all over the place and we don't have to spend as much time or energy and put in all that work to make those things happen. Um, Hopefully that, yeah, we're so divided, right? It, it is making me think back to our to episode three, where we talked about living and learning and community, and how we can see examples of that in certain ways. But for the most part, we're pretty divided, you know, adults and children, work and school. Um, but over time, hopefully, um, more options become available. So it's just easier. Mm-hmm. And I think too, so sorry, here I go. I said there were two things, <laughs> but this is related. And I think too, to open up the idea, maybe at some point of who even needs to be with the child during the day. So if people aren't able to have a parent home, um, having situations where it's more comfortable for a grandparent to be the one going to an event or just out to the park or a caregiver or um whatever, because I know even in our homeschool group, we did have some grandparents come the odd time, but I don't think it ever felt quite, I don't know, Kendall, have you had that experience at all? Um, We've only had it a couple of times, but I feel like the times that grandparents come out, I'll get a personal message from the parent. You know, my mother-in-law is coming out because here's the reason why I can't make it. Um, so definitely sometimes a grandparent or, or like a partner, so like the dad will come or something 
And that's more like, oh, we're spending the time, we're spending time together. I just happen to be here. And we knew that everyone would, you know, feel comfortable with that and love having that. And so those are more casual, but it's usually when the primary parent who you expect to be with the child is also there. And any other time there's been like the message ahead of time, like, oh, this is who my child's coming with today. So, yeah. So, but it is lovely when there are, you know, and I've, I've kind of fallen into when there are dads or that's less common. And so when they do come out, you kind of get to know them and you know, those are the dads that come out sometimes and the kids get to know them. And I find a lot of the kids in our group get to know what parents are, who to go to. So one time we were, we were doing shelter building in a forest and all of a sudden one of my friend's children comes up to me and he's like, such and such needs a band-aid. And so, oh, you know, I'm scrummaging through my backpack and helping the child. And then his mother was like, mm, yep, did my son just come to you before even notifying me? Yep, he knows you're the person to go to. Like you just get to know the certain uh, people that the parents and, and uh, yeah. So I do love when there's a diversity and when you can expect to see one of either parent, but less common with the grandparents, but uh, they're definitely welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kendall, thank you. Really appreciated having you here and just hearing your perspective and um, yeah, just kind of everybody sharing and kind of thinking about how things look, look from different in different locations and different ages. And um, yeah, I really like this topic. <laughs> so I appreciate you taking the time, Kendall. Yeah. It's such a good conversation. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. And I will um, make sure to link your Instagram information And yeah, have a good rest of the day, everybody. And this ends our conversation today. We hope you found it interesting and maybe helpful. If you'd like to connect further or see additional content, Haley can be found on the web and on Instagram at Taking a Kinder Path. I, Erin, can be found at Everlearning. And Ashley can be found on Instagram at Ashley as Mama and Storytime Shelves. We'd be very grateful if you'd share this conversation with anyone you think might appreciate it. Thank you for your time today.